Hi there and welcome back to the ESPN Footy Podcast. G'day everyone, welcome back to the ESPN Footy Podcast for another week. My name is Matt Walsh and I'm joined as always by Jake Michaels and Christian Jolly from Champion Data. Although actually next week, Jake, we might have to be without you. It won't be as always because you'll be overseas in Japan. How unfortunate for you. You'll need to uh, you need to find a sub for me. <laughs> Maybe Mr. Jared Barker, who does always a great does job. a great job. Always does a great job when he needs to step in. So we might have him. Is this, uh, you taking a last minute holiday because of all the feedback you got from your best 50? What's going I on was, here? I, I, you obviously knew I was going on holiday tomorrow and I knew you were going to have some little <laughs> dig. I was just working out what it was going to be. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> no, it'll be nice. Get away, uh, have some ramen, have some sushi, some other bits and pieces. Yeah, sure it'll be good could. fun. Watch the footy. Um, first, well, it's actually first time since I've been working here that I'm going away during footy season, so it's a bit weird. But mm. um, got the AFL pass set up. I do. It's all ready to go. Be watching, watching Carlton Richmond when I arrive, basically. Yeah. So uh, yeah, there excited. You have you been to Japan before, Christian? No. Not, not during round no, one they either. Don't, they don't play a lot of lacrosse over in Japan. Maybe, don't they? maybe you have to kind of almost plant that seed and, and, and sort of... Because they love baseball. That seems yeah, like it's a transplanted massively. sport. The World Baseball Championships yeah. are going on at the moment. Uh, Australia's into the quarterfinals. I think you can catch that on ESPN. Uh, uh, you TV definitely can. Well, so. I'll, I'm going to be trying to get a catch oh, a baseball yeah, game. Good I point, actually. Will it still be going when you're there? Yeah, well, I wanted to go and watch sumo wrestling. This is way off topic, but... Um, good stuff. Yeah, just... I, I love Japan. You can't, you can't get a ticket to it. That's right. unfortunate. There yeah. you anyway, we'll, uh, we'll have fun. to make do with sushi. Fair enough. Uh, yes, yeah, so before we get into today's podcast, uh, we've got heaps to talk about. So we're going to run through basically everyone's preseason predictions, get those on the record, make a big call, go through our risers, our sliders, uh, the return of justified hype and hyperbole. Jake, I know that our you're very segment. thrilled about very this. Dis- I've got to say, when we finished last week, I was very disappointed that we didn't have that segment. I don't know what, what other garbage we were doing, but we'll... Sponsored uh, garbage. We'll, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we got better garbage this time. Yeah, very good. Uh, but before we do, another segment. Something you noticed from the week of footy. Jake, come on. Surely you've... Uh... Yeah, well, we're down at uh, AFL Captain's Day last week, um, which is always a fun day because it's it's really the only day of the year where you do have all the captains in the same room together. Correct. Um, and this room happened to be Marvel Stadium, which was pretty cool. Had the cup there and all the, all the captains taking photos. And it was quite unique this year because there were... Nine new captains. So half the half the league has a new captain this year. New era. Yeah. Um, I was saying to our good friend Rowan Connolly, I said it's got to be the first one I've been to where Joel Selwood and Scott Pendlebury aren't there. So um, yeah, definitely a new era. And just looking at some of these guys, even some of the captains that have been around for a while, the two that stood out to me, Jack Steele and Marcus Bontempelli. Steele looks so lean. He looks like he's lost... He's lost. A, I don't know if he's lost a lot of muscle, but he looks very, very trim. Whereas Bont's kind of gone the other way. I don't know if you've seen any photos or vision of him, but he, ha- he is ripped. Yeah, he's looking really strong. So That's... I don't know what you to make of either, but just something I noticed from that day. <laughs> that is the uh, yeah, I guess the name the of the segment, isn't it? <laughs> uh, any any other decent nuggets from Captain's Day? Anything you want to share uh, that uh, you were chatting to some of these guys and and anything anything of importance or anything fun, funny, unusual? Oh, a few things. I mean, we've got a few stories coming out over the next uh, week or two. There's already some stuff out. But um, just talking to someone like James Sisley, who obviously is one of those new captains, and um, the story of him sort of finding out that he was captain of the Hawks or was going to be captain of the Hawks. He was just at home sitting on his veranda and got a call from Sam Mitchell. He thought it was going to be about his rolled ankle that he had in one of the preseason um, games. And 
he just called him up and said, uh, you're going to be captain this year. So <laughs> just to see his reaction and him talking about it and the smile on his face. And yeah, it's really cool to talk to some of those guys that first time captains because not, the, not the, to say that the other guys got used to it, but it's always cool to see someone uh, getting that job for the first time and how proud they are mm. uh, to have it. So yeah, as I said, some content coming out in the next couple of weeks over the first few rounds and um, yeah, some good stuff. Keep your eyes peeled, espn.com.au slash AFL. Christian, something that took your fancy during the week? Yeah, again, uh, not many games to watch, but just a bit of news that probably uh, caught my attention. Uh, ben McKay, he's already, uh, he's already copped an injury and going to miss the start of the season. Carlton and North are due to play in round four on Good Friday, and we're yet to see the Twins it's unreal, playing a game it? against each Seventh other. Seventh season? Five, yeah. Sixth yeah. season? Something like Seventh, that? Seventh, I reckon. Uh, um, and they've, they're yet to f- they're face so each other. He's not ruled out for round four yet, but as soon as I saw the but interview, he will I be. thought, here we go again. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it's funny, you were talking off air before about the fact that you actually wanted to put a query through your champion data database about these two. Yeah, well, there is there is that uh, the old joke that they're the same person, but I did. I wanted <laughs> to check how many times would they have played at the same time on the same day. So I'll try to get back to you on that one, but I think it'd be, yeah, a very low number for across, across <laughs> seven feel, years of actually getting onto the park at the same time as each other. I feel sorry for Harry and Ben's mum, who's probably had the, the, the half-half half scarf or jersey ready for seven probably years. Probably with old sponsors and, on the jersey. Yeah, and never been able to use it. <laughs> uh, so speaking of jerseys, Jerseys, this is kind of where I'm going in the direction. You, um, love, you love jersey, Chuck. One of yeah. the, the footy's biggest and most weird shit fights is the prison bars. Can we say that? <laughs> well, that's, that's our one of two for the year, I think. We could say uh, that, that word. I won't say it again because I think that's two of two. Yeah, uh, I, I wanted to use that one, so I'll save that for later in the year. The um, Yeah, the prison bars. So Collingwood, obviously, oh, yes. the monopoly over the black and white stripes uh, in the AFL era and, and obviously Port Adelaide. Magpies is the heritage side uh, in South Australia for you know 150-odd years or whatever it might be. And they struck a deal uh, when Port came into the competition that obviously Collingwood being the incumbent would have exclusive rights to the black and white stripes. But... A deal has been struck. The new Pies hierarchy, once a year uh, for the home showdown, Port have been allowed to wear the prison bars. So they'll wear that against the Crows uh, early in the season. Just interesting because under Eddie Maguire, Pies were absolutely not. It was never going to happen. I think they, they, Port wore it once for like a, a heritage, like a 150th year yeah. celebration. And that was kind of about as much leeway as they would have been given. But uh, the Pies have kind of relented so for for the once a year that that port place uh plays that home showdown they'll be allowed to to wear that uh home yeah. prison bar and Guernsey. so they and, should uh, i mean oh, 2023 is this the really the stuff that we're getting antsy about like the fact that clubs wear similar looking um i mean all, uh, half the jerseys are similar it's just different colored stripes yeah. i mean yeah i think they should be able to wear it and yeah it's cool like i think as a, someone who's not from adelaide or a port fan i don't i don't really not too concerned by it, but it does seem to tick off the old power faithful over there. I've always, so, I've tick always off been the big Collingwood on it. fans more that Port wanted. I've always been big on them being allowed to wear it. And I grew up watching the Sanford Grand Final used to be shown. And it was, I think when I was a kid, it was like the week before the AFL Grand Final. So I watched Port Adelaide and they were always in it. Port Adelaide Magpies <laughs> for about, you know, three well, or four years straight. They've won about 50 flags, haven't they? Scott Hodges <laughs> was kicking 150 goals. But I remember, I mean, it, it is, they, there is... probably the one of the most famous iconic jumpers for a mm. club in Australia. And it sort of got killed off by... Yeah. No, why. I think fair enough. Will it spur it. Port to a good season this year? Well, I think Port's going to be pretty good. I mean, we'll get into a, the prediction soon, but okay. is pretty good good enough? That's the question. Yeah, well, I think we differ on that, so stay tuned. Uh, yes, we will get into our preseason predictions. Um, we kind of went through, we, we get our writers together every year, uh, sit them down, send a few questions out. Uh, and basically the idea is we, we want to hear from, uh, from everyone about their premier, their runner-up, the biggest riser, the biggest slider, 
Uh, the Wooden Spoon winner, the Brownlow Medal winner, the Coleman Medal winner, the Rising Star, and a big call for the year. And this has always been a fun part of the podcast mm. every year because we've had some truly horrific big some calls. Some shockers. Uh, including from our man Christian over here. He's had a, he started off, I think his first ever big call was that Gold Coast would win two games. Is that, <laughs> is that right? I think all my big calls have come off correct. So oh, not so big enough. say what you say. But I don't know. <laughs> three out of three. I must think not be last big year was uh, Zach Butters <laughs> would win the Brownlow uh, yeah, and Zach, the uh, Coleman. Zach Butters. <laughs> two years ago, it was Melbourne to have a dominant season and finish on top of yeah. the ladder. Yeah, which they good. did so, uh, so hopefully you've gone a little bit bigger well, this year do you remember year mine last year what was yours it was looking year? good for half the season it was Carlton was going to make a prelim and that looked pretty solid for the first Eight 10 and two. games yeah. and then it just the wheels died. fell off yeah. the wheels fell off the last two rounds uh, so very... I'm steering clear of Carlton this year <laughs> fair enough uh, well obviously we'll probably begin at the Premier who wants to kick us off Christian why don't you go with your Premier prediction yeah I've gone for another sort of you know a long term one I think it's Brisbane Brisbane's time, I think they've made the right recruits in the off-season. They've been uh, top four consistently for you know the last three or four years. Um, haven't quite make, made the final day, so I'm, I'm usually big on you got to lose one before you win one, but I think they can get there on the final day and, and snatch it. I think, yeah, Gunston, Dunkley, Ashcroft, those three additions, and you know, and there's even Connor McKenna. I can keep going, but those top three that I just reeled off are probably the best three you know inclusions to any top eight team in recent years. I think uh, we were discussing the preseason coaching power rankings, Jake, uh, last week and, and in the office as well. But mm. the reason that Chris Fagan is so high on that list is because there is a lot of expectation. They've fallen short at those second last hurdles, the third last hurdles, a yeah. few times, despite the list that they've had. You're right, they've added at least three, at least three best 22 pieces to a side that was pretty bloody good last year. And I don't, I don't think you take anything out of what they had last year either. So they're just, it's just additions across the offseason. So, so the fact that Fagan is quite high on the coaching pressure power rankings list is because there is a lot of pressure on the lines to have another successful year and, and potentially go all the way. There is. Um, and I think Brisbane, you know, there's probably four or five teams that everyone will expect to be finishing in the top four or five, make, you know, going on to make a prelim. But Brisbane's the one that's a little polarizing because I think a few people have been burned by the Lions in the past and are a little bit unsure as to how they're going to go and with the additions. But you said something really interesting there about um, about the the additions that they've got Brisbane and how. What did you say? That's the that's the best additions that any team had. Well, those three, you know, just to reel off those names. If you think of a top eight team from one year going into the mm. next year. I don't think there's been any, you know, in the last four or five years, I don't think there's been three additions. I mean, Richmond have gone come close this year as well with Hopper yeah. and Taranto. So. It's, um, oh, look, I think we're all, you know, we're very big on Josh Dunkley. Like, I, I think he's going to have a great year this year. Um, and the other two guys are going to slot straight in. I think Ashcroft, Ashcroft, he's, he's just going to be a gun from F- day Fagan one. Fagan said if he'd be on, if he was on the list 12 months ago, he would have been playing. It's so amazing, that tells you the kind of yeah. body maturity, firstly, that he has, yeah. but obviously the temperament to play footy as well. Mm. Look, I haven't gone with Brisbane as my premier Ormo runner-up, but I wouldn't. I'm certainly not going to be surprised if they are. I've gone with Richmond. I'm, I'm super hot on the Tigers this year. I, I just think you said it before. Like they've brought in two players as well that just going to be sort of the engine room of the midfield in Toronto and Hopper. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, Dusty comes back, can play the full season. Fit. I think people have already written him off as a player. I, think, I, I wouldn't say people have written him off. I think the attitude has been anything you get out of Dustin Martin this year is a bonus. But I think that's the wrong way to look at it. I think he's a he's a far better player than that. He's he's not thirty seven years old. Yeah, I can understand people saying that about someone like Buddy, mm-hmm. where it's kind of like if he kicks forty goals this year, great. Um, Dusty's Dusty's only a year or two away from being the the undisputed best player in the competition. 
he should be playing more forward this year. I would like to see him play. And I know it kind of goes against what I've said in the past on this podcast. I think he should play at least 80% forward, 80-85%, and roll him through the middle at times where he can start at center bounces and then sort of push forward. He doesn't need to be chasing the ball. Just let him start at center bounce, let him push forward. Um, and he'll be as damaging there. And the reason why I like to see him play forward is because he's, we know how damaging he is. Mm. He kicks goals. He's a great kick. Um he is smart. He's a difficult one-on-one matchup. And when you add in someone like Bolton, who had a breakout season last year and is a very similar kind of player who can roll through the midfield and is um, devastating inside forward 50, how the hell uh, is any team going to match up on those two guys going forward? Yep. Now they have the support in the midfield to go along with someone like Dion Prestia, who had a good season last year, albeit kind of a little bit in and out of the team um, for various reasons. But I think they're, ju- I think they're primed. I think, and then you add in Tom Lynch, the guy that, you know, people, as I said in my top 50 list, people sort of forget about because he didn't win the Coleman. Um, Probably he would have. more goals than yeah. any, anybody. If he played all games. And took more contested marks than anybody. So they're going to be, they're going to score a lot of points, Richmond. And I think they're going to be, you look back on that game, they they very easily could have and possibly should have won that final. So I, I think they're going to be top four. And I think they go all the way this year. Well, you talk about should have probably won that that match. You know, if the the angle from Tom Lynch's kick, we're talking about him, yeah. uh, goes the other side of the post, they probably do go through, and then who knows from there. Yep. Is it strange? Before I reveal who I'm, I'm tipping for my premier. Is it strange that none of us have gone with the Cats to go back to back? I mean, what what is it about playing AFL footy in particular? Obviously, there's 18 teams. It's very tough to win one flag, let alone two, let alone two in a row. Is it just that kind of thing where you go? Is a team hungry enough? Is a team able to add more pieces like they have done in the off-season, but it's just not going to click? What's the reasoning no, that you, we haven't gone Geelong back-to-back? It's not to say that Geelong won and they're content now and they're not going to be hungry. Of course, they're going to try and win again. Yeah. But all it takes is 2%, that 2% drop-off of being content. Yeah. And that's the difference. And I think, And then you also factor in... You go to the flip side. So you look at the team, like, you know, I don't know what we think of Sydney, but you look at Sydney, you know, they had to experience that, you know, grand final thrashing and be out on the ground when Geelong are celebrating. Mm-hmm. And that we see that motivate teams a lot. Brisbane's a team that we saw fail in finals, and now a lot of people are picking them with, like we just said, with some of these guys that have come in. And then there's a team like Melbourne, who was fantastic and then had a relatively down year, and people forget about them. So I think part of it is... Uh, you know, there'll be a little bit of a drop-off with Geelong. There's a lot of quality bit. at the top. Yeah, there is. Of course there is. And yeah. there's that's the thing. There's not two teams that can win. I think most people would say there's five or six teams that can win it. Well, actually, Rowan Connolly, uh, one of our columnists, is going to be uh, publishing a an article, depending on when you listen to this, on Wednesday about yeah. the clubs that can win the flag. Won't reveal the number because he hasn't sent it through to me yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's going to be writing that uh, and uh, with an explainer. I think he's got some stats from Christian as well about uh, why each club will be able to win the flag. Not to throw you under the bus, Christian, but... The Sydney stat, oh, well, we were talking about it last year. If a team gets belted in a grand final, the likelihood that they firstly make finals but secondly win a final the next year is always quite low. Yep, so go back to uh, 1997, I think, is the first year you can sort of look at it. Uh, onwards, so lose a grand final by 40 or more points uh, in the next season. So there's been 12 grand finalists that have lost by at least 40 points. The next year, six of them have made finals, so only 50% of them made finals. Of those six finals appearances, they're zero and seven. So one of those finalists actually lost, you know, went out in straight sets, and the rest of the finalists went out in the first week. So doesn't bode well for Sydney. Um, previous no. history, and it is. It's, it's 
whether it's a quirk in the number or it's something psychological about just trying to come back from something like that. I don't know what it is, but it's, yeah, 15 or 16 years. It's funny because every year it happens, you think, oh, but this one's different. Because remember, the the Bulldogs were the same. And it was kind of like, nah, but surely that's not going to happen. And then people will say the same thing. And I'm saying the same thing with Sydney. But then we might be sitting there in six months' time and happened again it's good isn't it you just never know uh my premier you did touch on them i think melbourne i think you took it when you look at complete teams mm. this is one of the most complete teams that i can remember across pretty much every line there may be a little bit of a question mark over the forward finishing uh potentially but i think you look at the acquisition of um brody grundy in the offseason and what i saw from one preseason game i love overreacting but between him and Gorn floating oh. forward and, and through the ruck, they had eight scoring shots, kicked six goals too. Well, let's see it happen in a game. That's great. I'm happy to. I know you're the most down person on Ruckman that could ever be. So you're always going to be too far the other way, and maybe I'm too far one way. Maybe we'll meet in the middle, yeah. uh, and they'll be worth four goals a game, three goals a game. I think that's a big tick for the Ds. You're talking about some of the best if interceptors you tell me right and now best running f- defence that they've got right in the, now in the you're competition. four goals a game out of Gorn and Grunny, they cancel the season, give Melbourne the flag. Well, this is why I'm that's tipping. not happening. <laughs> okay, another big call. We haven't got to the big call yet. Come on. Uh, yeah, so the Ds, I mean, the yeah. midfield, you, you, there, are, there are three players in there, uh, four, probably even more, that could, on, on their year, win a Brownlow medal. Where you look at someone like Gus Brayshaw, who came very, very close in that yeah. midfield, behind these guys, you know, Christian Petrarca and Clayton Oliver and yeah. Gorn. Well, the way I like to put it is, you know, and Patrick Cripps always gets credited with that, is they put the team on the back and can carry their team. I can see Oliver doing that, Petrarca doing that, Gorn doing that, Brayshaw doing that, Viney can do that for mm. a quarter. Like they, they do have, you can well, roll Salem's out the names fit. of he guys really that, yeah, that are just, you can just put your house on that they're going to give them, give them your all every single game. I mean, they've what, the top, been a top two defence for the last few years now by almost any metric. Yeah. As you said, I think you touched on it, it's the forward line, there's yeah. a few questions there, but they got they got finishes in the forward line, which is good. So yeah. someone like Bailey Fritch kicks straight, kicks yeah. accurately. Um, Cosie Pickett, I really like what what he can do. Tom McDonald's always a good kick, and if he's fit and healthy and happy and firing, um, I can kind of see that that being being yeah. a good year for him again. Um, yeah, so I think I'm going to go with the D's runners up. Uh, I guess we probably mentioned a lot of them. Yeah, I'm, so I've got the D's as my runner. I've got the Tigers. We're, sort of we're swapping out. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, and you're got... so bullish on the D's. Oh, they, they they win if they kick this many goals, cancel the season, and you're yeah, go on. No, but I'm just there. You but you name you gave the reasons. There's so many. Look at the midfield. You name the midfield. Exactly. It's not the two yeah. two tall guys that are in the team. <laughs> you can't even say the word Ruckman. What's going on? <laughs> Come on. Um, yeah, I, I've Ruck gone for person. Richmond as my as my runner. I, I'm really bullish on them as well. Uh, like you, I Brisbane? just think, no, no. Oh, sorry, no, Richmond. Richmond, Richmond. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, I think the additions that they got in the off season, two genuine midfielders who will play 22 games each. You know, you, you lament someone like um. Uh, like Dion Prestia, who, when he's fit and firing, is one of the best mids in the comp, I reckon. Mm. Just in what he offers that side, a hardness to the... to the, But just... To, to, has, but just can't get on yeah, the park and consistently. Yeah. So I think if they can add more pieces through a midfield, which I thought just lacked a little bit of depth at times yeah. last year, um, the forward line's good. The back line will start undermanned, I think, and undersized for a few weeks. But once, you know, when Gibkiss can get fit, I yeah. think that's that's not so bad. Um, oh, I don't know. I just like the Tigers. I'm yeah. bullish on them. Uh, I think they're going to be really good. So I, I picked Geelong as my runner-up, and again going back to what Matt said previously, it's, it was sort of no, you know, no huge science going into it. But they've they're the premiers; they're the number one team coming into the season. So and can't see, fi- you know, they got better as well. Yeah, no reason for them to fall off. Um, but yeah, when I you know put it together, I had Brisbane as my premier, Geelong as my runner-up, and I thought if it gets to Friday, the day before the grand final, am I really tipping Brisbane to beat Geelong at the MCG? That's so I'm mean. not sure about that one. But you have to revisit I'll, that I'll, one. I'll, I'll stick with it for now. <laughs> Brisbane to beat Geelong. Well, what are they? How many games they won in a row? The Cats. They're 14, up to... 15? It was yeah. a fair bit. Yeah. yeah. 
think so, about. pretty professional. Isn't athlete. that crazy that it's just like you know, of the six we could have had, yeah, you know, you only just had, only one of us have them in the grand final, and they're fifteen in a row. Uh, and you talk about Brisbane's additions in the off season. This is another club which has been able to. Uh, replenished, probably best 22 caliber players, probably not all at once. That's immediately. what I, mean, I think Geelong's more of a long term, which is see, probably what I they can need see to do. Tanner Bruin and, and uh, uh, Ollie Henry and all those guys getting games and playing as regular as this season. But I think it was more Bruin and Bowes are more like, okay, what are we going to do in three or four years? You're going to be leading our midfield yeah. in that time. So, mm-hmm. um, still great pickups because exactly that. They, they were the oldest team um, last year. I think they're actually the second oldest team coming into this year. Um, I think the Bulldogs pipped them for. That right? Um, age, average age across the list. Um, the but yeah, still experienced. But again, just I think they're just yeah, filling in. You know, we talk about the bottom six or bottom eight. I don't know if they're bottom six or bottom eight players, right. but for this year they will be, and then they'll slowly step up. So is everyone going to say the dogs can't win it this year because they're the oldest, like last year? Geelong won it. So well, that's what I'm. We until they won favorite. it, everyone was saying they couldn't win it. Uh, biggest riser for the year. Well, I mean, same. It can sort come of, from any part of the ladder. Yeah, too, unless so you're finishing it's, it's second. Hard, but I'm saying Richmond. Okay, so I finished seventh in 2022. So you think they're a top four? I think they're a definite top four. Definite I think, I think, four. yeah, I think they can be top two as I well. I guess they have to be if you kind of want them to tip them for the either be a flag or a runner up. Yeah. So. The other thing is, I mean, not many teams jump sort of five, six places. So well, I, what's the average that jumps into the eight per year? Isn't so it just under two, just yeah, over two. The last five years, it's over two. So yeah. it's between two and three each year of the last five years. Do you know how much change happens between the top four? Uh, no, but it'll be. A, I think there's been at least one change to the top four for each of those five years as so well. Last year's top four: Geelong, Melbourne, Sydney, Collingwood. There's, yeah. there's one there that that I look at, and I think. Yeah, I think it's the same for probably the same for all of us. But Richmond, I think, and this is I'm just doing this on the fly. I was just thinking about it because I remember there, you were talking about a stat on this podcast last year about Richmond. I think it might have been expected scores, and had they scored where they what they should have scored. They were top or second on the yeah, ladder. Of the course yeah, of the number season. one scoring side, and then yeah, very high up on expected score. So as well. it's mm. like expected score. It was a good year I, I to be can be all over the expected scores last year on this podcast because yeah. there were some fascinating matches, fascinating trends throughout the season. Yeah. Let's keep an eye. But on it's that a again. it's a metric that that is you know does carry a lot of weight and something that you can look at and sort of say well they're better than they really are. Well, and, it, and it gives you as, great context. So there's some stats, you know, you look at contested possessions, clearances, and you can go out and aim to win those. You don't go out and aim to win the expected score. Yes, you want to kick straight, but it gives you a lot of context. When you walk back into the rooms at the end of the game, you've lost by five points. Yeah. You can have a look at that and say, hey, we, we should have won day, the game we by 10 won. goals, yeah. heads up, blah, yeah. blah, blah. process or, is good. Or vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 yeah, to the to the same sort of thing, you know, it's percentage. And, and you kind of alluded to it as well with the team that, I don't know if we're jumping to the sliders now. Have we? Have we all said our riser? Not yet. Oh, have you? Have you going. said your riser? No, I've got the Giants. And again, uh, I like this going, one. Going back to um, you know, um, making sort of quick quick assessments. But that one game against the Gold Coast, you could see what style Adam Kingsley what bringing. Was that? Sorry, against Gold Coast. <laughs> uh, yeah, but as, as I said, like Adam Kingsley's bringing a you know very Richmond flavor game style to him. The run and yeah. the run and gun handball sort of style, which suits the personnel on the GWS list. So. On GWS's list, there. <laughs> giving you twice. Don't wind me up. Uh, but yeah, six, 16th last Six, year. I, say, I, yeah. I think. Do they make eighth. finals? I think they're, they're a chance to be eighth. I'd have them as oh, one of my wow. four teams finishing eighth. Maybe not much higher, but again, yeah, I think they're going to be they're going to be exciting to watch at least. And again, look at their personnel. They're not a young team that's bottoming out or anything. Yeah, they lost Taranto Hopper and they've lost a few, but they've still got a very very good midfield. I sort of went through the numbers last week on the pod of 
from one game how they had that inside-outside balance in their midfield. Mm. Um, and then I look at their forward line. I, I, I keep saying Himmelberg, Hogan, and Toby Green. I think they've all had 40 goal seasons, if not 35 goals. So they're all genuine goal kickers up front. And if they can keep them all on the park, should have a good year. What do you think of Green, captain? Love it. Mm. Oh, I'm just I'm a Toby Green fan, and it's a weird one. You know, your, your captain should be in your midfield and should be. Probably, you know, I would like to see him play a little bit more midfield but, uh, this year. Again, he's just he, the spark and what he provides up forward. Yeah, is, but there yeah. were too many times, especially with those guys that we mentioned now no longer there. I think the fact that even with them last year, there were too many occasions where he's just not in the game for a half because the ball's not there. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm, I would throw him into a centre bounce, but I'm not having him follow around the ground stoppages all day long. For Yeah, a, no, for that's kind of what I mean. So. Play that, what we were saying, play that sort of Martin role where he play, start at the stoppages, let him roll forward, and then you sort of swap with somebody else. Um, dogs, I think. Finished eighth last year. Uh, what they've added to their list as well, I think, can can you can kind of look at this and think, in terms of complete sides again, maybe not as good as a complete side mm. of some team like Melbourne, but I think Liam Jones into that back line just adds a, a massive tick and, and adds to that dynamic of a club that probably did struggle at times defensively last year. So where do you, if you're saying they're going to be the biggest riser? Fourth or fifth? Fourth or fifth. Up four fifth, spots? Fifth get you? Uh, I, yeah, but... Uh, it's tough to win a flag. It's tough to finish in the top four. No, no, I'm saying is fifth the biggest... If that's only three spots, is yeah. that the biggest of anyone? No, but I think you put extra weight on going from a, a club that made finals last year to, yeah. to being a better yeah. team again. It's, it's tough to do because there are, the, the, there are teams in that 6 to 14 range this yeah. year that are all going to be fighting for the, the, the final two or three spots. I think they're well clear of that now. Yeah, that's fair. You know, add, add a bit of extra um, firepower in, in Rory Lobb, Sam Darcy... Tim English, Liam Jones, these are all tall guys, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and in the forward line in particular, well, well, Jamari Yugo Hagen, once they get the mix right, if they can get it right, I think they're going to stretch defences. I think their midfield is still one of the strongest in the league. Uh, and their defence is now a fair chunk better. You know, 20, 25% better, I think, with Liam Jones, who's, who's still proven to be one of the best intercepts and one of the best man-on-man. Can, man. can they win it? They can. Will they win it? Probably not. But... I think they'll, they'll be right up there. <laughs> That's not the answer I want. <laughs> uh, what are we looking at? Bigger slider. You were alluding to one certain yeah, team. I'm going to just go quick on this Rip one. Rip the band-aid off. Yeah, it's Collingwood. I mean, it's pretty obvious, I think, and I would imagine that we're all going to be sharing similar thoughts here. We spoke about it last year. I'm not just doubling down on what I was saying last year, but you look at the percentage of 104, where they finished, um, and you know it's kind of ironic that in the end the the, they lost the games they lost were the close games that they in were winning finals. throughout the whole home and away season. Um, Kick away from a prelim, sorry, yeah. Sorry, for Kick a, away from, from, a from a grand final. Um, and but I think with a tougher draw, um, and all of a sudden you have that you're the hunted now. And so that's a real thing. And players will talk about that. Um, I think it's going to be harder for Collingwood this year, and I wouldn't be surprised if they fall out of the top eight. We were talking throughout last year as the as the run went on about um, what we described as think as a regression to the mean. Mm. If you're a percentage, if you're a side with a percentage of 104, you're normally finishing eighth-ish. You're better than the, the halfway point, so you're better than ninth, yeah. but like that's just above 100%. Well, it was I, the lowest percentage for top eight, fourth team Port, ever, Ad- right? Port Adelaide finished 12th and had a, yeah. had a higher percentage than Port, them. I was about to say, so Port Adelaide were 11th and had a 11th. percentage of 110. My apologies. Yeah. So, you know, percentage can Port. tell you a lot. Good, good team, Port. <laughs> And, and look, kudos to Collingwood because they they 
they nailed some they important it. wins. I'm not taking the last away 45 from seconds of that that Essendon game. Jamie Elliott winner, the Jamie Elliott winner against Carlton. Carlton like they yeah. they they nailed the moments when they yeah. needed to. But I think over a larger sample size, and, and statistically, you'll you'll tell you know you talk about larger sample sizes, you do find that things do just sort of regress of course, to the mean. Yeah. Um, yeah, so and I don't think there's a huge amount of analysis there, but I think, as I said, the tougher draw shouldn't be underestimated. Um, and, and as you just said, that regression to the mean, I, I expect them to be sort of fighting for, you know, sort of 7th, 8th, and then ninth, 10th. And we all know every year those sort of four, five spots towards the bottom of the eight outside, it's a one game that splits splits five teams. It's 0.3% if you're counting the dogs. Oh, yeah. So. Uh, it just goes to show. So Collingwood's mine as well. Same for you, Christian. No, well, again, I wanted to go Sydney based on guys. Let's I wanted to go Sydney based on the stats, you know, based on the on the previous one. But I've gone Hawthorne. Um, again, they're only thirteenth last year, so they weren't very high up on the ladder. But I looked at it, eight wins and fourteen losses. I'll probably struggle to Gee, find maybe four wins. They might wins. finish with three or four wins this year, and probably say, oh, again, I haven't got we haven't got to wooden Bottom spoon two. yet. I haven't got him in the as my wooden spooner. Um, but yeah, probably bottom two. So I don't know, dropping down from thirteenth to seventeenth, eighteenth, if that's enough of a slide. Yeah. I don't know. Who's your wooden spooner? North. Okay. It w- uh, you know, it's funny because it was Hawthorne until last week when Christian was talking about North being the worst team in the league at winning the ball and the worst team at using it. And I thought, no. Nah. <laughs> yeah. And I don't believe we're on the same wavelength. So We're on the same uh, wavelength. Yeah, uh, that's that is a damning statistic. Uh, so your biggest slider then? Sorry. Wait, you've already done yours. I We've have. done mine. Yeah. We've now done that. We're done. Oh, gosh. We're getting into the swing of things back on the podcast. Yeah. It's only the second You just asked one, me my wooden spoon. I just gave you my spoon. Goodness gracious. Yeah, so mine's North, and, and for the reasons you said before, I think there's just going to be a learning curve and deficiencies in their side, yeah. uh, and they are brought in a coach that they're going to give time to, and clearly they're going to need that time. So I think North, just from from Hawthorne, probably. I think. Yeah. yeah, I think I think I think Hawthorne, given what they lost in the off season, um, Mitchell, O'Meara, it's tough to replace those guys. And I know that someone like um the two Mackenzie Clark, will get the two a, will, will get a go. Oh exactly. If I'm a Hawthorne supporter, I'm not <laughs> I'm not mad about yeah. this. This is the thing, I'm not mad about this. But then I also look at a club like St Kilda and I think, well, how many how many more injuries can they sort of hack mm. before they are a, a four or five win team? But um, I think St Kilda is a is Clearly, a step above. I was. Those well, I was about to teams. say the same thing. Nearly every day that passes, I got St Kilda almost coming Just into the bigger it. slider because every injury they get seems to be a lot of them are forward of the ball, and that was their one of their big issues is just converting. You know their forward mm. fifty entries, and they've lost almost half their forward line just in the off. Well, what about the other team that was battling away all year for the spoon last year, West Coast? I think I think they improve a bit. I think they have to improve because they had veterans who were injured throughout the the year, and they've been on the track this this season. Someone like Oscar Allen. He kicked. A, he had a forty-five goal season in twenty twenty. Mm, he was good, um, and just didn't play at all last year. Uh, in twenty twenty-one, rather, and just didn't play at all last year. Um, so I think that that they've added enough now. I think Jack Daly might miss the first game. They're playing North here at Marvel. Yeah, um, huge game. It's a big game. <laughs> it is a big game. That is a really big game. Um, because I think if Adam Simpson has another down year where he can't deliver a little bit more improvement with the squad that he still has, and it's still one of the older lists, I think in the. So NFL. how many wins are you giving them then? Six, seven. At home, nah, probably probably seven or eight, and I think six of those eight. probably come at home. Yeah, they'll, they'll snag two on the road, and they'll win five, six at home. They're not winning eight games, no way. What what are the stakes? <laughs> what do you drink these days? <laughs> uh, no, nah, I'm, I'm happy to just just stand by my call there. But I I, I just think that at the, with clubs like West Coast and Freo to an extent, you can pencil in a few wins there where they will get the result 
uh, you know, against a 50-50 club. So I think that they'll win sort of 6-7. I mean, looking at their list, games, experience, they're the sixth most experienced. The teams above them, Geelong, Melbourne, Richmond, Brisbane, Bulldogs, who have all pumped up and talked about where they are. So, again, whether that puts the... You're looking at the coach pressure ratings, I think that makes Adam Simpson's He's up there. pressure rating go up even higher because they do have the experience just to be able to... It's his 10th year in it. charge, I'm pretty sure, as well. Off yeah. the top of my head. Yeah, he's been around for a long time. But again, so that's one that Colesman could said that I think they will be able to, you know, win a few close ones. You know, they come up against North and they're going to have, you know, almost 20 more games experience across each player on average. So they should be able to, yeah, pinch a few games this year. Uh, your Spooner, did we go through that? North, yeah, North, unanimous, yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, Coleman medal, sorry, let's go Brownlow medal instead. You're a big Brownlow guy. Who's your early tip? So people always ask me that because they know that I'm super interested in the Brownlow medal and do a lot of work throughout the year on it. But it's very hard. It's, it's just throwing a dart at the wall at the start. Well, that's of the year. You've you're, got... you're big on the Brownlow because you can bet on something that you've been able to yeah. watch the lead at the to. start. Yeah. You just you got no nothing to go. You can't really use last year. Well, it doesn't mean anything. down here. Tuke Miller. Oh, that's a bold, bold call. I don't think it's bold. I mean, he was top finished top three last year. Do the Suns Second? win enough games? To firstly, actually, just a question without notice, to win, to make finals for the first time in the club's history I and to deliver gonna, him a Brownlow. I don't know if they're going to make finals because, as we said, there's going to be five or six teams that probably... Are they, are they one of those five or six? Yeah, yeah I really okay. think they are. Yeah, I think too. they're eighth to twelfth, okay. somewhere around that. Um, and I think that's enough. And we've seen that that's enough to, to win a Brownlow. And he's the kind of guy that will poll votes, as we saw last year. He'll poll votes in games that they don't, don't win. The other thing is... It's not like the Suns, the games they lose, they're getting beaten by 80 points. So if they're losing games by two goals, he's still going to be polling votes so long as he's playing well. I just think the way in which his the career, his career trajectory is incredible. He's only 26 years old, I think, surprised a lot of people as well. I think people tend to assume he's a bit older than that. Mm. He's the ultimate two-way midfielder, with all due respect to Sydney's Callum Mills, that everyone raves about. Um, he's such a hard-working player. Fantastic ball winner, tackles, runs, distributes, leads, does everything. Has the intangibles. Kicks a few more goals this year. You watch out. He's going to be polling a lot of threes. Um, so, I mean, look, as I said, it's hard at the start of the year because you don't have any data to go off. You could say eight, the top eight guys in the league can all be a chance of winning it. Yep. But I think he is, he's now a proven vote getter, which is a definite thing. And um, yeah, he's just, he, he rarely plays a poor game. Fair enough. Uh, Christian Petraka, best player in the league for mine this year. For yours, for mine. Uh, I think, Gee, I think he's just he's just he's dynamic. Yeah. He's powerful. He's explosive. Mm-hmm. He's a pretty good user of the footy, uh, and he finishes. Yep. I, I, I think those are, those are like the if you're looking at ingredients for a player that can win a, a, a midfielder's award, but yeah, for, yeah, no, for an award for the best on ground, I think he ticks those. Hundred percent. He was my tip last year, and he started with two fantastic. Well, he went grand final epic two three vote games to start the year Um, still had a great year but yeah I I certainly wouldn't be surprised if he won I've gone Lockie Neal for the Brownlow this year I think and I've gone probably the opposite of what a lot of people think they probably think Dunkley coming in is going to steal votes away Mm. from him I don't think Ashcroft's going to get the the notice from the umpire so he might not steal the votes away but I think those two actually make his vote count go up I think the support that he now gets from Dunkley and Ashcroft and you know Hugh McCluggage is stepping up and a few others I think, yeah, he can get those extra four or five votes if Brisbane win a few more games and he's got a bit more support in the midfield to release himself out. I think, yeah, he can win his second brown load. But I do want to say, again, beyond Petrarca, but I'm almost barracking for Clayton Oliver to have a brown low across his career. To me, he just seems like the ultimate brown low winner, just the type of game he plays and the way he plays. 
I feel like, yeah, if he finishes his career without a Brownlow, there's, there's sort of something wrong. So Criminal. I'm, I'm half enough Brownlows to go around. Yeah. <laughs> you need, you you need like a, like a Brownlow to everybody. <laughs> but I, just think, I feel like the way Oliver plays, the, 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 the role Oliver plays and the way he plays is just, I agree. It's just set I up agree. for Brownlow. Whereas Petrarca's more of a Norm Smith than an Christian, AFL MVP player. look at player, some of the but... champion players of the last 20 years who do not have Brownlows. Yeah, I mean, no, like, yeah. it's hard to win Chad one. Warner. Getting carried away here. Coleman. Tom um, Lynch for me. I think we're on the same page. We are. We are. And that kind of goes in line with what I was saying, uh, Richmond being the riser, Richmond winning the flag. I think he looked at his numbers last year, kicked more or averaged more goals per game than anybody else, missed four games, still very nearly won the Coleman. His contested marking is the best in the league, so he gives himself plenty of chances. And with, with Richmond's midfield being stronger and I think the team being better, I think he's going to have more opportunity. So, it, of course, he needs to stay healthy. Well, that's the caveat with all these selections. Um, but if he can, if he plays 28, 19, 20 games, yeah, I think he wins it. Well said. I got him I got him up there as well, so I think all three of us are the same. But do you still have him up there if Dusty's going to go down and kick his 50 that you want him to do? Well, uh, don't. Maybe don't they need to do it. I was going to bring it up. When you were talking about Dusty, though, when he plays forward line, yeah. his score assist is underrated. He finishes with four. Like, he, does it, he always does it round one against Carlton as well. He finishes with yeah. like four or five score yeah. assists. But him and Jack are both pretty good at set. You know, I think they're the type of guys that if... They're Tom Lynch has got the final four or five rounds and he's going for a Coleman. You can see Dusty and Jack sort of yeah. start setting up Tom a lot more. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, what else are we up to now? Rising star. Uh, look. I think this is another unanimous. Well, is it? Because I think that there's going to be one guy playing for the side that finished on the bottom of the ladder last year who will play every single game and be a lot more prominent in every single game than Will Ashcroft will be at Brisbane. Why do you say that? Who have you got out of interest? I've got Will Ashcroft, but I thought you were going to bring up another second name who's very, very tall and will capture the eyes of the voters just because it's pretty hard to play as a 207-centimetre key position player. So I thought Sam Darcy's already got five votes just for being the size that he is. That's interesting. No, I was going to go with Harry Sheasel. Yeah, I, th- I, I think he'll play consistently and across half-back where yeah, there'll be a lot of fo- uh, ball for him uh, and, and will, you know, he's a good distributor. But what makes you he think might that, float forward and kick goals. What makes you like think that Ashcroft won't be... Doing the exact same thing. Uh, I just think that there's a lot of competition for spots in... in not that he, I'm saying he won't play. Yeah. But you I said think half that, an hour ago that Fagan was saying that he was in yeah, the... Yeah, that's what Fagan said. It's not what I said. But Fagan, what Fagan says means more than what anyone says. He's no, I, no, I, no, yeah, for selection. But I think there's, there's output as well. I think Sheezel will have a greater output early because he he's not going to be thrown into the midfield right away, it seems. It seems that he'll be... Following the ball either around halfback or they'll push him forward and he can kick a goal here or there. I yeah, think he'll just fine. be he'll be following the ball a bit more than what Ashcroft might. Be. Uh, I'd be and pretty what... surprised if Ashcroft didn't win it. Okay, to be honest, like okay. from from what we've seen of him as a junior, what we've heard from um, his teammates, and I asked Lockie Neal about it at Captain's Day, and he mm. was, you know, it's it's a little cliche, but he did say that you've never seen a guy prepare how he is like he, he've just never played with anybody and he was very high on Andy, this every year, on Andy Brayshaw Andy Brayshaw was the guy that he mentored when he came to Frio okay. and he said the way Ashcroft has come into the club not just the way he prepares and all that sort of stuff but the way he plays and holds himself it's like how's this guy this young and so inexperienced so it's an exciting prospect it certainly is uh, big call for the year this is the time where the big calls do come out and you kind of alluded to Jake's Christian uh, but I want to hear. Alert. I want to hear it straight out of your mouth. My big call. Well, there. Are, I've got two, so I'm going to go with the first one about Josh Dunkley. You have goes at me about having two something I noticed most weeks. Don't care. I'm going with two. I don't know how far I can take this call. I don't think I'm going to say Dunkley's going to outpoll Lockie Neal in the Brownlow, 
But Josh Dunkley will finish with 20-plus Brownlow votes this year. I, I think he's going to have a phenomenal year. And I don't think people truly realize how good this guy is. Played a little bit out of pos- his preferred position with the Dogs, purely because they yeah, just had true. so much, so many players rolling through that midfield. That's fair. But he obviously can go forward, can take a contested mark, hit the scoreboard. But it's his contested game. And I think for you know Champion rates him elite in just about everything for midfield contested. Um, he's a gun. And I think he's going to complement Lockie Neal really, really well in the Brisbane midfield. But my second prediction, my big, my bigger prediction, and I think this is what Christian was alluding to, um, Shea Bolton and Dustin Martin will combine for 100 goals this year. And you still think Tom Lynch will keep winning the, the Coleman? Yep. Well, it makes sense. He's got Richmond winning the Premiership. So yeah. Tigers it, all, at, least Tigers. It all, at least it all ties up, yeah. We might as well not play the season the way that you're talking about the Tigers. Fair enough. <laughs> we may as well not watch round one the way I'm talking about say, the are, are, you, are you tipping him Thursday night, though? I am, yeah. You are, yeah. I'm yeah. a bit undersized on Thursday night. No, I still think... I don't know. I just, I'm just i still haunted by our last two performances. Christian, be cool, please. Um, yeah, I've got one. I'm trying to get in early. you got one? That's good. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get in early with this guy as well. Um, I think I'm probably a couple of weeks late because of how big he played in the, his preseason game. But Errol Goulden, I've got him. I, I wanted to say we'll make all Australian team, the but I've gone, <laughs> yeah, I've gone a little bit higher. Just won't just make the all Australian team. I think he'll be starting 18, which I think is a big call because he's almost a positionless player. I think he's a mid forward that also goes onto the wing just because he gets pushed out of there for Sydney. Mm. See, so they're normally where, locks where, for the, the bench where they fit in. But again, could he be on the wing? Seven percent on the wing could be enough to get in all Australian. <laughs> Isn't that the average of what these wingmen Some from the years. Australian sides? Anyway, uh, my big call for the year. After a slow start to the year, Port Adelaide finally ripped the band-aid off on Ken Hinckley's tenure, uh, but with no succession plan in place. And wow. They, yeah, I just feel like this. just no one's going to win out of this. Um, yep. Port have said that they're not going to do anything until August. August is very late in the season. So where do you imagine, like where do you see Port finishing? Uh, see, this is the thing. I think... There's a bit of a butterfly effect here. Their, their start to the season is quite tough. Yeah, um, and remember last year, they started 0-5. They, they and did. they finished 10-12, and 12, I believe. They came back really quite strong. So, um, But if you look at their... You might need to pad for me here while I actually look up their fixture. But yeah, if I, you look at their start of the year, it's not it's not easy. Yeah, I'm... Port... I have... I, I think going into the season, probably a month ago, I was very... I, I was sort of... Probably thought Port could play finals. But then you kind of look at their list a bit more and you think, just, just don't know if there's enough there. They don't seem to have improved anywhere near an, as, as much as some of the other teams in that bracket. Mm. Um, so Port Adelaide hosts Brisbane. That's a tough first up one mm. at Adelaide Oval. Uh, they go and visit the Giants. And we've been talking about how we're all a little bit bullish on the Giants and nah, the way that they play. The one and one. Okay, Collingwood at the MCG. Two and one. Adelaide at Adelaide Oval. You never know. Three Clip a one. coin. Three and one. Sydney away. Three and two. Bulldogs. Three and three. Three and three. And I think you're it's being a bad. bit generous. Three and three is better than 0 and five. Yeah. But uh, what have we talked about when it's, if you're a zero and two start? Yeah, I think it's zero, zero three gets, zero, no, zero four gets even worse. Well, if it's zero two is all right. Zero three, I think, is makes it a bit, you know, yeah. about 15, 20% from it your might be one and two. They might be one and two. Uh, but it's just going to be a tough year. And I think the fact that Port and um, Koshy have sort of said we won't look at it until August, they're still mm. playing footy in August. But yeah, I, yeah. again, I know 
because of the past with Kenny Hinckley and and you know he's always been under pressure recently in the way David Koch talks about him it it's newsworthy that they've put it off to August but shouldn't most clubs do that there's other ones that sort of sometimes they re-sign a coach in February he's already got a year to run and, he's, and they sign him for another two and everyone says why are you going so early so I don't know I feel like some of the club administrators can never get it right it's either you re-signed him too early or you're yeah. not re-signing him quick enough I like Ken I, I hope he stays but I think that, that there's a bit of a that place is just a bit strange sometimes. Someone's not not talking about Adelaide in general, more so Port Adelaide. But gee, don't go to Adelaide. You actually like I Adelaide. I love Adelaide. Yeah. No, I visit often, so uh, it's very much a um, don't slam him off when he rocks up. There. <laughs> <laughs> uh, quickly, before we sort of get uh, towards the back end of the pod, who are we most bullish and bearish on this year? Oh, haven't we kind of answered that? A I little think bit, Richmond but like, doesn't necessarily need to be the same teams. I would say Richmond and Collingwood. Yeah, I think for the not to get into the same things that we've said a few times, but. Yeah, Richmond and Collingwood for mine. For yours. Uh, I'm still a, a little bit probably, because we just spoke about on Gold Coast, I'm still not quite on board in terms of, you know, if if they lose, if they win fewer games than last year, then that's, you know, not a disaster, but that's, you know, clearly going backwards. And I think that could be a chance. Well, they've, never just, had, they've never had an even or positive they've, season. They've got okay bookends, but that's, I, I love Sam Collins. But I, again, I just look at their deep defense and deep forward. And again, Ben King's going to miss the start of the year and he's, he could be a big inclusion. But yeah, that's, I'm sort of comfortable with their midfield, but the two bookends just have me worried of, yeah, mm. they could, you know, a couple of injuries and they could probably end up in the bottom four. So one to watch for me. Oh, I'm still bullish on Carlton. It's pains me to say because I think I am too, but... last year really hurt uh, Carlton fans a lot. And I can tell you that because I am one. Uh, it really did hurt. Do, but we I win, think, do we win round one? I think they win round one. Yeah, I think Carlton wins round they, one. Us, we're, we're going. Uh, we're playing. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think Carlton does win round one. I'm just a little worried about Richmond's tall timber in the back line. They could get stretched. Um, it'll be a nice day, so it's not going to be wet or or sweaty. You know, you get the ball up in he- ahead of Kerno and and Mackay's hands. They'll snag them, and they're pretty good kicks for goal. Uh, and the midfield, you know, pretty well evenly matched. Carlton's got a pretty good defence. Richmond a little bit undersized. So I don't know. We'll see how we'll see how it pans out. But I think Carlton has to make the eight this year, at at least the eight. And I think that they should really be top uh, pushing for a top six, a home elimination, or a qualifying final berth. Fair enough. Um, bearish the Saints. I just uh, I feel bad for them because every week goes by and now Caulfield's out. Uh, Seb Ross is going to miss the start of the year. Just these guys that would be best 22 pieces that are now no longer going to be there. Memory, you probably didn't expect or want him to be playing 22 games in a season, but even him as the backup Tim key Membry forward. Tim Memory a late stray on the podcast. Love Tim Memory. Good kick for goal. Uh, I, I just think um, the Saints could possibly be looking at a top three or four draft pick. Uh, and they'd be probably wise to do it as they try and build underline. So yeah, uh, there we are. Red time. Looks like we're getting into red time of this podcast. Brought to you by Subway. And it's time for your favorite subject. Subject? Segment, Jake. Yes. Justified hype or hyperbole, where I'll ask a question or say a statement. You tell me whether the hype is justified or I'm speaking in hyperbole. It's a good segment. West Coast will be a lot better than people think this year. They won't. They're going to be average this year. So you said before they're going to so win... So it's hyperbole. Yes. You said before they were going to win eight games. I think they could win eight games, yeah. I don't see it happening at all. I mean... I had, I've got to be honest, I haven't gone through the fixture and marked their wins and losses like we were doing with Port before, but I just don't see enough there. And the players that everyone's excited that are coming back, there's only one that I'm excited for, and it's Oscar Allen. These midfield guys that are on the wrong side of 30, I just don't think they're going to be as good as what, what they once were. And I think people are overrating their impact and their value. I think West Coast are going to be a definite bottom four team. Um, I'll give them five wins. How many wins, Christian? Again, going 
looking at Hawthorne and me talking about them being big, bigger slider, surprised that they won 18, eight games last year. I think I can see West Coast winning eight. I'm with Matt. If Hawthorne can win eight in 2022, I think West Coast can win eight in 2023. Uh, Christian, Cats will suffer a premiership hangover against the Pies on Friday night. Nah, hyperbole. It's, what's a premiership hangover when you're playing a different team five months later? I don't know. Like, yeah, they'll be fighting. Interesting looking at the two games that they played against them last year. Collingwood had their measure in territory. Collingwood won inside 50 counts both games, time in forward half. They had a lot more of the ball forward, but Geelong were able to get out. Uh, and, and I think both times Collingwood led for at least 50% of the game. So two very, very close games last year, and Geelong won both. Um, so I could see it being a, a classic and a close game, but I wouldn't put anything down to you know, their premiership hangover or anything. And finally, the Saints should look towards the draft already. Oh, well, I think you should be answering this one. You're very... Uh, Justified. You're very long. Look to the future. Top three draft pick, I think. King out for, you know, six to nine weeks still. That's half a year almost. I mean, um, there's just too many of these key pieces that are missing. Good chance to get some, some games into these younger players. Uh, look to build under, under line under for three or four years and have a real genuine tilt at the flag. Uh, and I don't think Saints fans are too upset. We've got a couple of big Saints fans in the office, and and they're not um, they're not expecting a lot this season. And I think that they're not expecting towards, anything. <laughs> I think that's just ingrained into being a St Kilda supporter. Unfortunately, my poor grandmother's a St Kilda supporter. Every year, it's really? the same. Yep, just a bit uh, apathetic about it all. So uh, there you go. All right, good stuff. Get your tips in the Footy Tips app. Just a couple of days away, depending on when you're listening to this. If it's Thursday morning, bloody get your tips in uh, because the game starts at seven twenty-five. Uh, something like that. 7.20. 7.20. And that was going to be my big call. I reckon 5,000 people will miss the first 20 minutes. The next, the Friday night game starts at 7.40. Thursday starts at 7.20. So if you've got tickets for Thursday night, just remember it's early. 20 minutes earlier. Like. Weird. Don't know why they make it. Yeah, anyway. Uh, so yeah, get your tips in. Footy tips. There are prizes on offer this year in the footy tips app, would you believe? About time, yeah, must say. Good stuff. So maybe um, we'll see an uptick of people taking out the footy tips. an incentive to keep going throughout the season. I think you, there's actually weekly prizes as well. Is that right? Well, get involved. Yeah, this is maybe, well, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> sounds check. good. I'll check that. <laughs> no, good stuff. Uh, do that. Uh, also, Rowan Connolly's Footyology podcast uh, is part of the ESPN stable these days. With our good friend uh, Rocket E. Yeah, so join Roco and Rocket every Wednesday. Uh, he does an in-depth game-by-game preview. So uh, if you do miss those sorts of previews, the game-by-game stuff, make sure you do tune into Footyology. It's very good stuff. Uh, Jake, enjoy Japan. I will. Yeah. Thank you very much. When are you back? For the F1s. Yes, I'll be back um, Busy at man. the end of March. Good stuff. Christian, we'll see you next week. Uh, we'll probably get Jared in to, to fill in. Uh, maybe a permanent um, replacement on the on the cards. We'll see. Gee, get well, the You're flip. away for two weeks, so two weeks yeah. of the pod. So who knows? Uh, good stuff to everyone at home. We will speak to you in the next episode. Listen to all the latest episodes by subscribing to the ESPN Footy Pod wherever you get your podcasts.